0: Hello and welcome to this vidcast, which is devoted to Mercado Libre. We already discussed the evolution of this company, which is an extremely successful distributor in Latin America. There was an educational film in September 2021 describing opening a marketplace in 1999, payment system, Pago in 2003, and then Wallet in 2006. For operational reasons also, the company became an extremely professional distributor, logistics, MBIOS in 2013. The company is operating in Latin America, but predominantly in three countries. The first one is Brazil. Brazil represents in 2021, almost $4 billion of revenues, which is more than 50% of the total revenues of the company. Second to Brazil, Argentina, Quite growing as well. Mexico, third, quite growing. So the company is definitely growing. And if you look at the evolution of its revenues from 2006 to today, you understand that predominantly the company was growing smoothly up to 2017, 2018. And then its exceptional growth, exponential growth since 2019, 2021, 20, and even 22. But what's very interesting to observe is the evolution of the portfolio of commerce as opposed to fintech services. Obviously, there was a development in a traditional marketplace activity, but it was representing 64% of total revenues in 2020. And it's down to 57% if you look at the last four quarters, from Q4 2021 to Q3 2022. In the meantime, the fintech activity has so much increased that it's now representing 43% of the total revenues, as opposed to 36% for the same period. Both businesses are growing, but not at the same rate. The commerce activity was growing traditionally at 60 and then 80% per year. Now, if you look at the last four quarters, it's only 20%, only between quotes, obviously. If you compare that with the fintech activity, fintech was growing at 50 and then 70 and then 70 again. So basically, fintech is getting closer and closer to the commerce activity. Now, this is about growth, but what about profitability? Interestingly, the fintech gross margin, sales minus cost of goods sold, is greater than the commerce gross margin. So, as a consequence, when the company was growing very quickly and predominantly in the commerce activity, the gross margin rate was gradually declining from 80 to something like 40 to 50 percent. Then it's stabilization in 2021 and it's up in 2022 because of the improvement, the development of the fintech activity, higher growth rate. Now it's about gross margin. If you want to move from gross margin to the EBIT, to the operating income, you have to deduct the indirect cost, the OPEX, R&D, product development, technology development, sales and marketing, and general and admin. Let's have a look at these three items separately. If you look at the evolution of R&D as a percentage to revenues, It's quite interesting to observe that it was representing something like 5% of revenues 2006 to 2008. Then it gradually moved up to get to a peak in 2015 of about 12%. The company was growing, but the R&D to revenue ratio was growing. So R&D was growing at a rate which is more than the sales figure. What's interesting to observe is then it stabilized at a level of 12% and gradually went down. Not because the company is less investing in research and development, but because sales and revenues are skyrocketing. So first, you invest in research and development and innovation to create the product. Then you promote and you sell the product. This is why the sales and marketing figure went down from 45% in 2006 down to a kind of stabilization at 20%. And in 2017, once the products are ready, the company is very much investing in sales and marketing. As a consequence, the sales and marketing figure represented 35% of revenues in 2018 and 2019, and then went back to a kind of normal figure, which is about 20%. So the company is first developing the product, then marketing the product, so that you can generate higher revenues. In the meantime, General and admin figures were absolutely managed, showing economies of scale, gradually declining year after year. It was 15% in 2006, and today it's about 6-7%. So the company is generating economies of scale, the company is investing, developing product, marketing the product. What is the consequence in terms of revenues? You remember what I described in terms of evolution of sales. In 2016, the company is generating sales of about 1 billion. In 2021, it's about 7 billion, and growth will keep on in 2022. But if you look at the evolution of the EBIT, the operating income, the operating income was about 30 to 35 percent in 2010 in 2012 then as the company was not spending but investing a lot ebit went down it stabilized at a level of 20 percent then it went down close to zero and in 2018 and 2019 the company is generating operating losses not because the company is not doing good job but simply because the company is investing when investment is down in a a p l In 2020, the EB turns positive again, and then it goes up because then the company is capitalizing on the investment and generating economies of scale in marketing and research and development. It gives me the opportunity to show you again, my favorite slide the one which I show any time I teach. It is the Amazon Letter to Shareholders, dated 1997, the first one issued by the company when it was listed. And basically, it says it's all about the long term. We invest and invest and invest. Maybe at the detriment, at the expense of short-term profitability, but it's not important. What is absolutely key is to create a long-term market leadership. And what's very interesting is that this letter has been reprinted in the annual report every year since 1997, even though the CEO has changed, recently changed. This very interesting confrontation between evolution of revenues and evolution of the current EBIT as a percentage to revenues is confirmed if you look at the last four quarters. Of course, in 2020, revenue is up. And profit is back. In 2021, both are up. Sales are up, and now, if you look at the trailing 12 months, we are at about 10 billion dollars. Now, as a company is generating economies of scale and getting the return on its investment, the return on sales is up again. So you understand that following the recommendation of Mr. Bezos. Mercado Libre is investing and investing and investing in order to reach long-term market leadership even though this might be at the expense at the detriment of shorter profitability now that was the investment which you show in a P&L what about the balance sheet you remember that in a balance sheet you have non-current assets and working capital requirements which is basically the cash conversion cycle. In the cash conversion cycle, you have inventories, which is about zero for the company, just a few handsets for points of sales. It's also accounts receivable and accounts payable. What's interesting is that accounts payable has always been higher than accounts receivable, moving in parallel direction up to 2017. In 2018, accounts receivable is significantly down, and again in 2019, In the meantime, accounts payable is a little bit down. But if you look at the evolution of 2020, accounts payable and receivables are both up in 2021. Accounts receivable is up. Accounts payable is down. And as a consequence, the working capital requirement, the cash conversion cycle, which had always been a very negative figure contributing to the financing of the company, is still negative, but much less negative. It's not minus 130, 140 days of sales. It's minus 50. Now, this is about current assets and current liabilities. What about fixed assets, industrial investment, capital expenditures? If you observe the evolution of the company in the long term, you get something which is about 5% capex to revenues. Then it goes up to more than 5, 5, 6, 7. And what? is obvious, is that in 2021, definitely there is an increase in the capital expenditures. So the company has to invest in order to increase its capacity, in order to increase its ability to deliver services to its customers. It's always the same story. Now, if on top of that, you add the fact that the company had to invest in the financial services assets, you observe that the company whose capital employed was absolutely negligible and even negative in 2020 turned positive in 2021 and is now quite significantly positive in 2022, about two billion dollars, when it was minus six hundred, minus seven hundred million dollars in twenty twenty. So of course the revenues are growing, but what is definitely a difference comparing today as opposed to yesterday, is yesterday the capital employed was negative and contributing to growth financing. Now capital employed is positive and has to be financed. It is always the same story. Growth consumes financial resources. The company is growing its capex to revenue figure, The cash conversion cycle is less favorable than it was before. And fintech grows. Of course, you're growing the fintech. It's successful. It's higher growth margin. You're generating a return on your investment. But the assets which are devoted to fintech are no more 1.5 billion, which is what it was three years ago, but it's now 4.3 billion. It's an increase by almost 3 billion. Then the question is, how do you finance growth? To finance growth, you remember there are two ways. Basically, debt and equity. In the equity, you have profit and equity capital. The bottom line is positive, but far from contributing to the level which is required to finance growth. $83 million in 2021. It's far from being enough. This is why the company in 2021, the same year, made an equity issue. But the objective of the equity issue was to repurchase the notes, convertible kinds of convertible bonds and also to contribute to simplifying the balance sheet, preparing the balance sheet for its future. So it's not much cash coming from equity. What about net financial debt? It was significantly negative up to recently. But Q3 2022 shows a net financial debt which is positive by $300 million. Of course if you compare that with a market capitalization which is forty eight billion dollars, it looks negligible. But you understand that the company will probably need some additional equity tomorrow and the day after. To issue equity you have to look at your stock price. If you compare the stock price of Mercado Libre with the Nasdaq, you observe that during years the Nasdaq was up and Mercado Libre was a little bit up. Then there was an interesting period from 2015 to 2019. It was getting higher and higher and higher, and 2020 was an explosion of the stock price. Now, the company made the equity issue when the stock price was almost at the highest level. But you remember that during the last month, the Nasdaq went down. As a consequence, Mercado Libre went down also. The beta which represents a systematic risk. The sensitivity of stock market return to stock market index is 1.6 at MercadoLibre. What does it mean? It means that when the NASDAQ is up or down by 1%, MercadoLibre on the average is up or down by 1.6%. So when NASDAQ is down, MercadoLibre is amplifying the downside and lost almost 50% of its stock price. So the company was quite opportunistic, issuing shares at $1,500 and something dollars, quite close to the highest figure, which was $1,900. But now when the stock price is less than $1,000, if you want to issue shares, you're going to dilute the shareholders. Now, as a conclusion, MercadoLibre is an outstanding company. It's experiencing commercial success, fantastic growth in sales. Why? Because the company understands the market. Market insight is absolutely great. And because also ambience logistics of the quality of execution. We've been privileged to observe this very successful sequence. You develop the product, R&D, you market the product, sales and marketing, then you generate skyrocketing revenues. At first, the EBIT is negative because you're investing. Then EBIT is profiting from the increase in revenues. You generate economies of scale and this is a successful sequence again. Now, the day you want to go through this sequence, you have to invest. If you want to invest, you have to accept lower profits today to create the conditions of this long term market leadership which was observed and at Amazon. What is interesting is that in Latin America, Mercado Libre is a successful Amazon. Amazon is not locally. But growth consumes financial resources. Of course it accelerates the value which is created by performing firm and Mercado Libre is performing. But the day you consume financial resources, the question is Where will the money come from? So far, so good. So far, excellent for MercadoLibre. But what will be very interesting to observe is how the company is going to finance its growth tomorrow. Thank you very much.